Welcome to the New Abbey Podcast. We are on our Reclaim series, and today's conversation is called Better or Bitter. The question for you to start with today is, who's your favorite superhero and why? Enjoy. Reclaim series where we're in the Gospel of Luke and we have been on the Sermon on the Plain where Jesus is giving us incredibly practical wisdom and advice of like how do you live? What does it actually mean to be human? That we do Jesus a disservice when we're talking about things only in spiritual ways that somehow matter one day when you get in an elevator uh, at the end of your life and are you going up or are you going down? We are much better off and Jesus is way more interesting when we get in the conversation and say that Jesus is not some person who lived 2,000 years ago and we're trying to find out information about who this Jesus was, but that Jesus is showing us the path of what it means to be human. Jesus is showing us the very best of our humanity and the very fullness of God, and so Jesus is inviting us to participate in our humanity, even in a place like Los Angeles, even in 2018. So I'm going to start off a little like old school preacher language. Jesus today is going to show us how to be better or bitter. I usually don't go this kind of route, but as I read the passage, I'm like, I think that's just what's going on here, so we got to deal with that. Um, now, there's like a simplicity to that that you've heard, right, in churches before. Someone gives you like that little phrase and you're supposed to like take that thing and go live with it. But then there's the reality that we've all heard those little phrases and then we actually get into the complexity of life and we're like, oh, that didn't work at all, right? So we got to go from the simplicity to the complexity and then out the other side of the simplicity again and say, oh, maybe it's true that this world is either better or bitter because of me. Maybe it's true that the fruit that is being produced in my life, because I'm actually living into this Jesus thing, is making me a tr more transformed, mature, healthy, better human being, or I'm just kind of like playing the religious game, right? We're doing the whatever, or maybe like, I don't want any of it, and I'm just one more person who's cynical and angry and critical in 2018 in Los Angeles, and I don't make the world better, but I make it better. And I felt, you know what I feel like is like the thing, did you ever, ever do this as a kid? Betty bought some butter, but the butter Betty bought was bitter, so Betty bought some better butter, but the bitter butter made the better butter bitter. Anyone ever do that? Yeah, no? Great. I was just saying that, and I was like, I remember I learned that as like a six-year-old, and I was like, wow. Can't, you still got it, still got it, yeah. Oh, I made it through seminary, you see that? Yeah. So follow along with me in Luke chapter six. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot produce good fruit. A tree is identified by its fruit. Figs are never gathered from thorn bushes, and grapes are not picked from bramble bushes. This is like simple language people, right? Are you better or are you better? That's the kind of fruit you're producing. It's pretty simple. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart, and an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what is in your heart. So. 
let's get into the complexity before we get to the simplicity. So if we're going to talk about this passage, let's talk about these things. Better versus bitter. We've got to talk about Black Panther because I'm three months late but finally saw the movie. Am I right? <laughs> yeah. We're going to talk about Trevor Noah. If you're a millennial, you know who that is. If you're a baby boomer, you're like, huh? I like it, right? We're going to talk about the industrial, that was a, a judgment and an assumption, and I apologize for that. There we go. We're going to talk about the industrial revolution. We're going to talk about roots, because we get to talk about roots if we can talk about fruit. And then we're going to close it out with Grandma Cato. All right? She's going to be good. So Black Panther. Um, I'm three months late because I have three children who are four and under. So like being in a dark theater for three to four hours where I can be away and have no responsibility is not a thing that happens in my life, right? It's the same thing with people like, do you want to go golfing? I'm like, I do not, right? I do not have, no, no. I cannot be away for four hours and I don't have any money. I have kids. Like, what do you expect me to do? So uh, it was Monday. Um, I've been like overworking lately, and I didn't tell Chris. I didn't tell anybody. I got like the ArcLight ticket for myself. <laughs> One of two people in the theater. It was very nice. Yes, just like lounging out, you know, like in the suits. I, was, I like half committed to that, right? If, it, if you're gonna do it, just like totally commit to it. There was a lot of space. Is the point. And I've wanted to see Black Panther a lot because I think Brittany's seen it like seven times. And she's told me about it, how it's revolutionary and how it changed her life. And I'm sitting there watching this movie, a superhero movie, and I'm having like this like existential crisis about life. Yeah. One, it's beautiful, right? And I completely understand why if you're African American, uh, that this movie finally represents for you that you're seeing yourself in the movie screen in another way. And there's a powerful moment about that, that our society doesn't have a, done a good job of representing diversity, particularly in the movies that are making so much money. And it makes sense to me why so many people got behind it for the beauty of the story that it was telling. Um, the storyline, I thought was incredible. Like, right, Disney does good work. They've got the best writers in the world. If you made a billion dollars every time you made a movie, it would be good. Right? So they're doing fantastic stuff. And yet, as I'm watching the movie, I begin to realize that there's a part of me that's just completely unsatisfied. It has nothing to do with the content of the movie. Like, I'm like crying by myself, like at the end, like when he, has everyone seen the movie? Okay. Spoiler alert, I'm crying. Like I've already said, Dumbledore dies book six, and Khalees, one of Khaleesi's dragons is dead. So if you're not keeping up with culture, it's not my job to spoil these alerts for you. I don't know what to tell you. I'll save that one for you. And that's why I'm not spoiling it now, you see? I'm withholding it. So something happens at the end of the movie that was made me cry, and that was very powerful. But one of the things that, that I was challenged by is that even in this movie, there's, there's all this violence that still takes place, even among people who have like a commonality. And there's a realization for me that um, the abuse of power looks a lot of different ways on, on planet Earth, right? It, it happens through race. It happens through gender, it happens through sexuality, it happens because of socioeconomics. There's a lot of reasons that we abuse power, that we kill one another. And then I'm, I'm watching this movie and as I see human beings kill one another, like I'm just unsatisfied with this reality that there's very few ideologies that I've come across in the world that can transform hearts, right? so that we don't actually kill one another. There's a quote that I love that, that says this about Jesus, that Jesus died a passionate, nonviolent death 
and every major religion in the world knows about it, except for one, Christianity, right? That we have been so powerful for thousands of years that we're some of the most violent people on planet Earth. And I'm sitting there watching this movie of people who have power and who are killing one another, and it, and it kills me that we have one of the messages, right? We have right, God coming to earth to say there's a better way than violence, and yet we're the people who participate in the violence. And it just messed with me that we have one of the greatest pieces, we, we have the good news. And we're so often sharing it as bad news, and we're living into power in a way that is not transforming the world. And so because of that, it's no wonder to me that our society is longing for superhero movies that our society is longing for saviors to come from somewhere else and to deal with the chaos and the pain of what it means to be human. Just like after 9-11, um, shows like CSI and Law and & Order took off because our society wanted justice. So what better way to get justice than in 30 minutes or an hour, dun, 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 right now you have the criminal was caught, everything is wrapped up, and we move on. And it's no wonder to me that ten, over the last 10 years that we've loved superheroes movies so much because we feel like the world is just getting so big. And so we love this Marvel universe that is bigger than any of us. But we want to know that even though the universe is expanding, even though things are getting bigger than any of us can hold on to, there'll still be a savior there. There'll still be something bigger than us that can take care of the things that we can't take care of on our own. And so I know the realization of that, of why we long for these movies so much, but then I sat there unsatisfied, not with the movie, but with the reality of humanity afterwards, because there are no superheroes. There are no superheroes who are going to come and save the day. There are no superheroes who are going to come and end the violence. There are no superheroes who are going to come and bring peace. And yet I live my life following this Christ because I believe there's a message there. I believe there's a life to be participated with there that can end the violence, that can bring peace, that can bring about good news. And it's not about some imaginary God who, who lived 2,000 years ago and took care of all of it and all of life is going to look better once you say the magic words because that's not been working. It's an invitation for us to participate in the game with this God. Right? For us to be the ones who bring about healing. The, a Jewish phrase that we use around here all the time, tikkun olam, the repair of the world. That Jesus is inviting us to be participants in this repair. Because no superheroes are showing up. No superheroes are going to take care of young black kids in northwest Pasadena, right? No superheroes are going to create a way for equality for the LGBTQ community. No superheroes are going to make sure that women get equal pay to men, even though currently they get 77 cents on the dollar. We have to do that. And we do that not because we have a bunch of information about Jesus, but we do that because our lives have been transformed by something bigger. So Trevor Noah. You see how I got there. <laughs> if, you, if you've read Trevor Noah's book, Born a Crime, he talks a lot about his, his mom. He, he said that when he set out to write his book, when you write your own autobiography, you kind of look at your life like, I am the superhero of my own life, right? Like, I am the victor, I am the protagonist, I'm the one who's made it all happen. But he says that as he wrote his book, he realized, I'm not the superhero of my life, my mom is. I'm just her punk-ass sidekick, right? <laughs> These are his words. He realized the real person who has shaped and transformed my life is my mother, 
my mother who was black in apartheid Africa, and my father who was white, that I was literally born a crime, that they had to hide me. My mother who worked so hard every day to make sure that I had an education. He says, my mother who told me that I may never have a cent to give you, Trevor Noah, but I will make sure that the black tax is never paid forward to you. And what she meant by that is that there are so many people who are born on the planet Earth who start at zero. And they get to work their way up from there. But for black people and colored people all around the world, they start at a deficit. That they have to work twice as hard as their white counterparts to even have a life that makes sense. Right? She talks about the reality that sometimes the first person in a black community who gets out of the ghetto or the urban life or whatever it may be, they're not the one who gets to celebrate like living into suburbia or whatever it is that they were trying to work towards. They're the ones that are, that are working hard so that the next generation can live at a different kind of equality and so that they don't have to live into the black tax. And Trevor Noah is talking about all of this, that my mother was a superhero. My mother was this person who's producing better fruit in the world. She could have been bitter. Right? His mother dealt with apartheid Africa. And he talks about it like this. Imagine like the Civil War, Jim Crow laws, right? And all of the race in America and all of its 400 year history and slavery happening at once. That's apartheid Africa. And people should be bitter in those contexts. But his grandmother and his mother lived in a way that was better. And they gave Trevor Noah the hope to believe that he could have a better life. And he realized there are superheroes in the world, but it's not the kind that show up on TV screens. It's the people who allow the transformation that is taking place in them to leak out in a new way. And that is a lot of extremely hard work. And that's a long conversation. We, something happened in the Industrial Revolution in the United States where we changed the way that we encounter spirituality over really the 1800 years before that that if you read the Bible, you realize that most of the metaphors and the parables and the teachings that Jesus provides, it's like an agrarian culture kind of thing, right? Jesus is talking about fruit. Jesus is talking about plants. Jesus is talking about how most of the universe, how all of the universe, I should say, actually operates, which is things grow slowly and there's a long process and there's seasons for an actual piece of fruit to grow in this world, right? There's a long conversation that has to take place. We don't live in that world because we're products of the Industrial Revolution. So when I want a strawberry, I just go to Trader Joe's, right? Well, for thousands of years, for millions of years on planet Earth, when people wanted a strawberry, you planted a seed, you watered it, and you took care of the thing for months so that later you could come back and have enough strawberries, hopefully, to get your family through winter, right? So the problem that happened is, is that during the invention of electricity and during the invention of the Industrial Revolution, something started to change in our spiritual practices, particularly in the United States. All of a sudden, we started to have this thing called the Great Awakening. And in the Great Awakening, we started to have tent revivals. And in tent revivals, we started to do something that didn't happen before in the history of Christianity. We started to do things where in this moment, Jesus is going to change your life. And in this moment, everything is going to be different for you. And that never happened before because no one would have had any picture of that actually being a reality in the actual universe. Where else does that happen in the natural world? Where in this moment, everything changes. It doesn't. Maybe in this moment, you can begin a process towards cultivating, right, and tending and watering and giving the right nutrients so that one day you could produce fruit. But you would know better throughout most of history that in this moment, everything cannot change. So that even started to change the way that we interpreted the Bible. 
So we look, take stories like Paul, where Paul has this moment where he encounters Jesus on the road to Damascus, and we use that story to say, look, in that moment, he, he was able to see again after three days, and his whole life was changed. But we never read the very beginning of Galatians 2, where it says that after that moment, Paul spent 14 years in the desert before he began his ministry. We've changed the way that we talk about Jesus and the actual process and order of things. If your family has produced bitterness in your life, has produced hurt in your life, we say it in here all the time, hurt people hurt people, I don't care how you raise your hand in the church service, it will not change in a moment like that. There will be a lot of hard work that you will have to do. There might be ownership in that moment. There might be awareness in that moment. But you know that if those roots have been digging in you for decades, it might take years to plant new roots and a new system and an ecosystem within you. And we have to change the way that we think. That Jesus is inviting us into an incredibly practical conversation, but we have to change how we actually approach that conversation. We live in a world where we want the quick fix. We live in a world where we want things to change in this moment, but to actually produce fruit, that's not how it works. And what I've loved about our community is how seriously uh, so many of you have been about dealing with the real pain and the real suffering and the real hurt and the real tragedy that's going on in your life. That every week, literally every week I get an email, or Brittany and I get an email from someone who says, I'm ready to start therapy. I'm ready to go to a spiritual director. I'm finally ready to get into community. I'm ready to enter into the long conversation and the long process ahead to make me better because I'm sick of being bitter and it's going to take time. And I know that in this moment, it didn't all go away. That I've said the prayers a thousand times, but my parents still hurt me. I've said the prayers a thousand times, but the trauma as a child hasn't gone anywhere. Right, I've said the prayer a thousand times, and I'm still an addict. Instead of, these things might be true of me, but God wants us to enter into a process, enter into a long conversation where God takes the bitterness and the reality and the hurt and pain of our life and moves it into a place where we can become better and whole and healthy and produce a whole nother kind of fruit in everything that we do. So if we're gonna honor the fact that there's a long conversation, we always have to honor what Jesus is teaching us first, which is there must be an internal journey before there's an external journey where Protestantism and where most American Christianity has gone wrong over the last 150 years is that we've been rather shallow. And so we tell people that if they just change a few more, out, more pieces of morality on the outside, they'll be okay on the inside. Did anyone ever have that kind of youth pastor, right? Just don't do these things and do these things, right? Make sure you pray enough over here and read your Bible over here and make sure that you definitely don't ever like, you know, touch a girl in that way and wear the purity ring and everything will be okay. Yeah, there's a couple like nods and grins because you had that conversation too. <laughs> Instead of this reality of what we need to be teaching people is how do we deal with the interior life that you have, right? Jesus talking about fruit living in an agrarian culture knows that fruit just doesn't pop out because of shallow dirt. That fruit pops up because there's been roots that have gone deep into the ground and they're able to weather the storms and the droughts of life so that it can produce healthy fruit for the actual world. And that happens on an individual and that happens on a corporate basis. I remember in 2016 in New Abbey, it was a crazy year for us in this community. Uh, it was a season where 25 people and families just moved out of state. And I thought, we're just gonna close up shop in a small church like this. Like, I don't know, like it's been worth it. 
And, and I remember that year that I, I always would pray the year before, of like, God, like, what's your word for this community for this year? And the word I got that year was rooted. And so I was just praying through that word all year. I thought rooted meant like a bunch of fruit. Boy, was I wrong, <laughs> right? Rooted meant like this is your time to grow and to transform. There's this beautiful DNA of inclusivity and diversity, right, and wholeness and grace and mercy and love that is happening in this community, but now it's got to develop some real roots. And so as some of these people moved, it just forced us to grow in some ways that I wasn't anticipating in growing. There was some destructive things happening in the life of our community, right? People going through a ton of hurt, like a lot of pain, like Dateline special level of pain, right, that you cannot make up. And I thought, this might blow up our community. I don't know if we're gonna make it through this. I remember that we, we've always been affirming, we've always been inclusive, but that doesn't always mean that we've had gay people in our community, right? And as gay people started to show up in our community, 99% um, of people were like, yeah, duh, that's what we've always talked about. But there was a couple families who were like, I don't know if I'm comfortable now. Like, I, I like talking about it in theory, but now that I gotta like live this thing out, I'm not sure that I wanna do it. And then when we started having the conversation of, uh, Brittany's gonna come on and be a pastor in this community. The biggest giver. I remember, they, they, never, they never challenged me with money, they never did anything like that, but they had a long six month conversation of, I don't think I can have a gay pastor. And I remember in that moment, it was, it felt like I was making a choice, but I was very clear the whole time, I will never acquiesce on doing what's right. And if your tithe goes away, then we will go under doing what's better for the universe, and it will be the right thing. Yeah, come on. And we're here today because those roots went down deep and we withstood some storms and we withstood some drought and we've seen some really healthy things go on. And that's happened because I've also seen people in this community practice that internal life themselves, practice working through their pain, working through their suffering, working through their hurt. And the way that it's produced fruit for other people happens almost every week and meet an interesting person, right? Almost every time someone shares, there's someone else in the room who goes, oh God, me too. Oh my gosh, I thought I was the only one you're allowed to talk about that in church, right? I, we get these responses all of the time and people are able to talk about these things externally because internally they're allowing roots to change and to be transformed and they're doing that along with other people. There's a reason that Jesus is always talking about the interior life before Jesus is talking about the exterior life. So in a world like Jesus's, when they kept asking him, Jesus, where is this kingdom of God you keep talking about? Jesus says, it's already within you. You keep looking to the external, but if you want real transformation to happen, if you want a new reality and perspective on the world, this kingdom has to work within you first. And only when it does that, only when those roots grow deep, right? Not in perfection, but in the process, right? In process, in progress and in process, then you're gonna produce some different fruit in your life. And I see that happening in this community all the time. I find it so fascinating that when we got to the love your enemies passage, just a little bit before this, that we had to pause and spend three weeks there, right? And we spent three weeks there because you're a community of people who are never going to accept being shallow. You're never going to accept some trite answer about just love your enemies and move on. Because there's so many of us in this room who are starting at a deficit. We're starting at a deficit because the church community, the religious community, Christianity has actually hurt us. And you're choosing to be here on a Sunday morning. You should applaud yourselves. That's incredible. And so when someone's talking about loving your enemies, you say, no, I actually got to do a little work there. I'm not going to just like hear the passage and move on. If we're going to talk about forgiveness, I actually got to do a little work there. So Jesus gives us the things that we need to work on if we're ever going to produce fruit in our lives. He tells us the things that we need to root in if we're ever going to produce fruit. 
Jesus talks about the idea that you need to love your enemies. He talks about do not judge. He talks about do not condemn. And he talks about forgiving. These are the things that Jesus leads up to before giving the passage on fruit. And Jesus recognizes that just like the Industrial Revolution, I mean, that just like everything that he talked about before, it's going to be a long conversation. It's not like the Industrial Revolution. You will not learn to love your enemy in a day. You will not learn to stop judging and stop condemning other people because we're human beings and we feel good when we think that we're better than others, right? In a day. You will not learn to forgive in a day. That it will be a lifelong process of rooting, but that if you live into these things, the kind of fruit that you'll produce in the world will absolutely transform it. And I'm a big believer in that. There are no superheroes. That if we're going to be better, we have to live into these things every day. We have to take seriously what that means for our life. For some of you to learn to love your enemy and to stop judging and stop condemning those who have hurt you. For those of you who have been hurt, so you just continue to hurt other people. For those of you who find, it in, you find yourself incapable of forgiving right now, maybe that practice for you is therapy. Maybe it's just saying it out loud for the first time to a friend. Maybe it's sitting in a room like this just knowing I'm not alone. Maybe it's a spiritual director. There's no one right answer for all. There's no, you sat in the church service today and now you are healed, my brothers and sisters. No, it is the healing is happening. The healing will continue. Will you choose to participate it and allow God to produce better fruit in you? And with that said, let's talk about Grandma Cato. I did a wedding uh, two weeks ago for a woman who used to be a part of our church, Megs. Megs, I hope you're listening. Um, and I got to meet her grandma. And Grandma Cato is just this beautiful woman, and at, at the end of their ceremony, uh, Megs is, is half black, half white, and so she wanted to do something to honor her African-American heritage. And so she did a practice called Jump the Broom, uh, which Jump the Broom happened uh, d particularly during slavery in the United States because African-Americans were not allowed to marry in legal ceremonies. So they weren't allowed to sh exchange vows, they weren't allowed to exchange rings and do all of the things that the church did because the church saw them less than human, right? And so they participated in their own ceremonies where they would take a broom out and they would sweep away all the bad things of the past, allowing them to enter into a new future. And then as the oldest person in the village or the oldest person in the family would do the sweeping as a means of saying, the past is behind you and now enter into a new future with one another. It's a beautiful ceremony. And so Grandma Cato is the oldest person in this family. And so she swept and then she sets down the broom so that Megs and Ted could jump over the broom and enter into their new future, but also just honoring their history and the diversity of their path and the traditions that they're both coming from. And as I'm sitting there eating a little paella, drinking a little margarita with Grandma Cato, as you do after a wedding, she just began to tell me her story. And she began to tell me how hard she's worked her entire life, that she's retiring from two jobs, 35 years as a, uh, as a nurse and 30 years working for the sheriff's department, and she's always had other side jobs. And now her children keep asking her, like, what are you going to do next, mom? Are you going to take a vacation? And I kept asking her the same questions. And she said, how could I miss something I've never done? How could I miss traveling or feel like, uh, you know, how could I miss taking a vacation if I've never done it in my life? None of that stuff mattered to me. All that mattered to me was working hard enough so that my kids could have a better future. All that mattered was working all of these extra jobs, not only so that my kids, who are now a dentist, who are now a doctor, who are now a teacher, right? And the list of what her kids have done because she has worked so hard, not allowing the bitterness of what society and culture could have done to her, but said, I'm going to find a better way for my children. And for her, it's like, this is all what like, Jesus has done in her, right? Transformation. I'm just going to keep working in this way. And she's like, and you know what I have now? I have grandkids who can't pay for their school bills. So until all of their bills can be paid, I'll keep working and keep taking on their loans so that every single person in my family is educated and has a better future. 
We have a choice to be better or to be bitter, to allow these roots to go down deep within us and for different kind of fruit to flourish in our lives. How are you participating in the long conversation? Are you better or are you bitter? If this question works for you, answer it. If it doesn't, talk about what was good for you. Enjoy. Thanks for listening to the New Abbey podcast. For more information, visit us on the web at www.newabbey.org.